right, welcome into Cold Weather Bats. We are talking about the MHSBCA event today. The coaches convention was last week, and we're recapping that event. And then we're also comparing the MHSBCA's annual coaches poll uh, that was released at the event, as it always is. And we'll be comparing that to our poll. Uh, as y'all know, we are we are lads with those at the MHSBCA. We are in unison with those at the MHSBCA. Obviously, we have a lot of the coaches in the MHSBCA on the show quite often. So uh, the, the, um, the organization and I and, and us, I should say, get along very well. And we are we are in partner. Obviously, we're we're literally members of it. So actually, I don't know if I paid my fee yet. So um, maybe I'm not technically speaking, but we all are in spirit. But anywho, Brandon Justice, Dan Greasebaum Jr., uh, who's settling right into his new role as co-host in his uh, second appearance. But after last week, I mean, really, at, at this point, you have to be a seasoned vet. You got thrown in with the piranhas. Uh, you, you start the show, you become the co-host, and then literally the following week, it's the MHSBCA, which is the like thickest of the thickest when it comes to CWB, outside of maybe like the player draft. But besides that, those are the two biggest seasons we go through right there, the two biggest parts of it. Now, the season itself, it's just us remotely speaking to each other as we are now, but that's the only time we really have boots on ground with CWB is the MHSBCA and the... Um, the player draft. So for you, Dan, how was it experiencing uh, the the coaches poll and interviewing these coaches uh, as a part of the show? I mean, this was a first for you. I know you have plenty of media experience as we highlighted before, um, but what was it like getting thrown in with the piranhas and uh, how are we feeling about episode two? Yeah, it was great. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting to be on this side of it for the coaches convention. I've been going to the coaches convention for quite some time. Um, you know, my father was one of the people that sort of began that event. He was kind of in on the ground floor of, of beginning in that event when it used to be in Lansing. And, uh, it was great. I mean, we, we have our, like a one, it's like radio row for the Super Bowl, except we're the only ones there, you know, <laughs> we're the only, instead of having a row of thousands of media outlets, we're, we're the only, the only media outlet. And, uh, you know, we can kind of pick and choose our shots, I guess, uh, when it comes to who <laughs> we're talking to and, and, what conversations we may want to have, but it was a little bit unusual for me, you know, just being uh, maybe off to the side a little bit, not sitting, uh, you know, in front of all the speakers taking notes like I normally do at the convention, but, but just going about it a different way, uh, talking to uh, coaches from all over the state and getting a little bit more in depth with them and maybe doing a little bit more networking than maybe I otherwise would have. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely an event where, a lot of things are happening, uh, regardless of if you're a part of a podcast or not, right? Right. But, you know, um, and it's a great it's a great event. I mean, I I don't know if uh, you know how many of our listeners are are coaches, you know, compared to, to families and, and players. But if there's any high school baseball coaches listening that haven't been there or or don't don't traditionally make that a part of their January schedule, I would really encourage it. I think if this is something you're involved in, if you're a high school baseball coach. This is something that you really want to go to. And I'm not saying that you got to sit there in front of all the college coaches and, um, you know, take notes on everything that they're saying. I just I just really believe that you have to be in that atmosphere and, you know, meet some of your your coaching brethren and talk shop and learn from each other. And even if it's just sitting down and, and having a soda in the, the sports bar there and talking shop, it's still really worth going, in my opinion. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's it's an event that is, it it's an event of its own. There's nothing quite like it. Um, most states uh, don't have it. I don't think. I think there's like plenty that do, but I don't think there's a lot that do. Um, and I know for a fact this year, I learned from from your father in, in our interview with him that you guys will get to hear at some point um, that Michigan does one of the biggest ones in the country. Obviously, yeah. According uh, according to the college coaches that that speak at many of these things, um, they are very complimentary of the Michigan one. You know, I think the the attendance is very good. I think the venue, Soaring Eagle Casino, is a, a pretty special venue as far as uh, these kind of things go. It's obviously it's in the center of the state, but it's also an attraction. It's a people. It's a place people like to visit, and uh, good accommodations, a good quality hotel, and and entertainment. So I think it it ranks very well compared to the other states. Yeah. So. 
highlighting that event and talking about that event and previewing that event leads us to let you guys know what we were up to. Um, now, like we said, it's always a busy event, but the reason it's busier for us when we're there as cold weather bats is that normally coaches are there to, like Dan said, network, listen to coaches speak, learn a little bit, talk to vendors, fundraisers, whatever it is. I think when you're not a head coach, it might not be uh, quite as highlighting the vendors or anything. I think when you're an assistant, you're more so there to learn and network and all of that and listen to the coaches speak. But as a head coach, you know, you also have to, uh, you know, go talk to the vendors, see what they're up with, see what they're up to. This year I, um, I bought us some stuff from them. So that's how it goes. But when you're there as cold weather bats, you're podcasting for about five hours, which is what we were born to do. That's why we're here. That's why you guys are listening. Uh, so that's what we were up to. We, we brought the, the setup to Mount Pleasant as we did last year, but we opted out of the live show. I think we talked about this last episode. We opted out of the live show and just went and recorded a bunch of content with coaches, got a bunch of interviews with different coaches. Um, so we had so many interviews that there were people who I couldn't interview because we just ran out of time to interview people. That's how many people we were interviewing. Um, and, and the level of content was so great. That's why it took so long, right? So all sorts of people to look forward to hearing from on the show. Uh, we had Gross Point South's head coach, Dan Griesbaum Sr., uh, we had Liggett's new head coach, Jay Ritchie. We had Northfield's new head coach, Dan Samini. We had um, the Zealand East uh, clan, and we had the Down River Roundtable with Woodhaven, Southgate as a new member of the of the Roundtable this year, and Trenton's coaches, uh, and, and myself, I guess. I was hosting it, but technically I was a part of it as well, uh, and plenty of others to look forward to uh, as we roll them out Uh Dan had an awesome pickup interviewing Central Michigan's head coach, Jake Sable. So just all sorts of good stuff coming at you guys from that show. And what we're going to do is roll it out over a period of time during each episode. We'll chop it up per usual and have something to discuss, some some discourse about this or that, as we usually do. But we'll be filling a lot of those interviews with content we had from the MHS BCA. Uh, and before we roll into the show, Dan, and we break down what we're going to break down, just want to do some housekeeping and make sure you guys are following us on social media at Cold Weather Bats. Uh, also want to make sure you guys know that coming up soon, we have the uh, Cold Weather Bats player draft, who will be rejoined by Ryan McKay as a third um, picker. And then we'll have a mystery fourth picker coming at you guys soon, which we'll announce uh, somewhere down the road. You can look forward to that. It's going to be the uh, first week of March, right before tryouts so that winter sports are all off and everybody gets to come. I think last year we learned we did it a little bit too early. Some kids weren't able to come because of sports. So we want to give everyone the opportunity to come. So it'll be the first week of March. Have not solidified a date yet. We will. Once we do, that'll be announced with the All right, so we're talking about the MHS BCA poll versus the CWB way too early divisional rankings, which you can find on our Patreon. So make sure you go subscribe at patreon.com backslash cold with the bats where you can see all this stuff uh, in real time, all this written content coming out from our staff. We've got a few uh, different people writing for us uh, who we've hired behind the scenes and we're really uh, happy with what we've been able to put out. Obviously, I've been putting a lot of work into it too just to make sure all this stuff gets put out. And uh, Junior's even stepped up a bit putting his scouting hat on. So all sorts of people are helping us out over at Cold Weather Bats. Shout out to the community. All sorts of DMs this week. Appreciate y'all. Uh, make sure you go join and subscribe. Patreon.com backslash Cold Weather Bats. For example, this way too early divisional ranking we're about to break down came out on the Patreon on December 9th. It is January 22nd. It's the first time we're talking about it on this show. Um, not so much to, to paywall it, but that's just the type of effort that gets put into our written content and the depths you can expect things to go when you join the Patreon uh, from Cold Weather Bats. So, we are looking at the way too early divisional rankings from us versus the divisional rankings from the MHS BCA. We'll start with division one. Uh, we'll read off the MHS BCA poll and then we'll highlight some differences we have. And then we'll uh, take a look at the difference between ours and their top five. So at number 20, we've got Detroit Catholic central at number 19, Jenison. Uh, I said, we, I just don't know why, but that definitely, I definitely meant the MHS BCA and I'm, I'm not even editing this. That was just hilarious. So 20 Detroit Catholic central, 19 Jenison, 18 battle Creek Lakeview, 17 Okemos, 16 Lake Orion, 15 Birmingham Seaholm, 14 Hudsonville, 13 Portage Northern, 12 Woodhaven, 11 Rockford, 10 West Bloomfield, nine Novi, 
eight Sterling Heights Stevenson, seven Matawan, six Grand Blank, five Zealand East, four Brother Rice, three Bay City Western, two Orchard Lake St. Mary's, and one Northville. So uh, some things to highlight. Uh, you know, we talked about Allen Park a lot last year. They went undefeated in the Downriver League. Uh, they do lose some impact, but they return some as well. And everybody in our league is, in, is anticipating Allen Park to reload more than it is to rebuild. Uh, no one's ever gone undefeated in this league for as long as it's existed. They did run into Woodhaven for a third time and lose in the playoffs in the regional, um, but fully anticipate Wood or Allen Park being a top twenty team in D one, honestly. Um, and if not, then they they might be replaced by a different division team in the Down River League. Hopefully the Bears. Uh, but that's the biggest difference so far between ours is Allen Park. Uh, take a look at some other teams that were in ours and not in theirs. Anchor Bay, uh, a really strong arm at the top in uh, God, what's the kid's name? Finkbiner. Um, I think that's his last name. Ty Finkbiner, yeah, right? Tyler, Tyler, Tyler Finkbiner. Yep. Yeah, and he's committed to Michigan. Uh, obviously, they're coached by an all-timer, uh, Jared Beesbrook, one of the best. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't make the event, but you were there in spirit, brother. Dan, any thoughts on Anchor Bay? I know they're an East Side team, and you're an East Side guy. Yeah, you know, I think that they're looking to take control of the Mac White division this year. They've they've had some trouble in the past getting past Gross Point North. Uh, both of those teams tend to have good pitching, but I think Anchor Bay kind of has it coming together right now with uh, with Ty and then um, Domi as well, the, the bat, uh, one of the bats that they have there. They've got some some studs and uh, the match, the series with gross point North should be interesting. Um, you, you know, you mentioned Allen park is an, another area of, of discrepancy between the two poles. Um, I don't know. I mean, isn't that like the ultimate nightmare is having to beat a good team a third time in the postseason? Right. They, they just kind of ran into that ultimate nightmare having to get by Woodhaven, a, a team that ended up in the state final and, uh, I mean, we, we've seen that play out many times before, just, you know, speaking from experience with us, there, there was a year where Stevenson blew the doors off us three times in a row in the league. And then we played him in the state quarterfinal and beat him finally, you know, and does that mean, does that mean that we were better than Stevenson that year? No, it doesn't. You know? um, but Allen Park is, it, I got to believe Allen Park's one of the best 20 teams in division one. I, I think they are. Elsewhere, there's West Bloomfield for us at 18. They are 10th in the MHSBCA poll. I think that's mostly just a marginal difference. I don't think that we we don't see eye to eye on the talent West Bloomfield has. I think if you're a top 20 team, uh, they you're, you're viewed as a contender. Um, I think if you're a top five team, you're probably an elite contender. Top 10 is probably a, a tier one type of deal. Um, but I, I don't think that the difference between 10 and 18 is is worth a discourse. I think we both feel that West Bloomfield will be strong. Um, but some other differences we have would be uh, we have Heartland in here at 20. They don't. Um, you know, they were a little bit higher on Seaholm. Um, we were literally one spot off on Novi. We have them at 10. They have them at 9. Um, outside of that, though, we'll take a look at the top five. Northville, we align on at 1. But we do have a difference in that. The MHSBCA has uh, Orchard Lake at 2. We have Brother Rice at 2 in Orchard Lake at three. So there's a flip-flop there. So we do see um, the torch kind of being passed this year in regard to that. Obviously, um, Orchard Lake loses a lot of offense. Guys like Ryan McKay, Blake Grimmer, those are really important players to to not have in the lineup anymore. Uh, and then on top of that, new head coach, uh, obviously a guy who, who used to be the head coach and has plenty of experience, especially at Orchard Lake specifically. Um, but obviously, you know, it's a whole new – ball game kind of more or less and we don't know quite yet what to expect which may be a good thing um let me let me ask you something about st mary's so if they were on the way up as opposed to where they've been do you think people would look at them differently as far as this overall ranking goes you know are they being i guess tamped down a little bit in the ranking just because maybe they're being compared to themselves of a year or two ago yeah, I think it's a really fair way to look at it. I don't think Aiden Donovan gets enough respect for being like one of the best arms in the state, if not if not the best. I think the rotation as a whole is really good. And I don't think that it gets the the flowers that it necessarily expects to. I mean, that's kind of like a weird figure of speech to describe a high school baseball rotation. But I just feel like we're – the discourse that we've heard about St. Mary's is just, you know, outside of certain people who know it well, they don't really recognize how good that rotation is, how good that staff is as a whole. You know, right. even going with a bullpen. I mean, when you have a bullpen, first of all, good for you. But I'm saying, like, that's a that's a good 
group of arms. And we all know what it takes. So we've said it ad nauseum on the show. What does it take to win a state title? It takes arms. And there's always you, know, you better hit the right. crap out of the ball. And nobody does that really. Not anymore. Maybe when there was the Easton Green bat, but like we're using BB core stick bats right now. You're better off bringing a wiffle ball bat sometimes. Some of these bats are the pop is just gone. Yeah, it's not it's not close. I mean, uh, I every ballpark's different, but I know Gross Point South. If we have a if we have a good power hitting team right now, we're hitting ten to fifteen home runs in a year with a good power hitting team. In the in the late nineties, that was a forty home run year. You know, it's just, it's not even not even close. Yeah, exactly. Um, pitchers are getting better, but they're not getting that much better. So, right. All right, moving moving on. We'll look at Division Two. Uh, Division two for the MHSBCA poll is as follows at 20 Niles, 19 Freeland, 18 Petoskey, 17 Fruitport, 16 Grand Rapids Christian, the state, the defending state champions, new head coach, notably also lost Kyle Remington, but they do return a lot. We'll talk about them. 15 Allendale, 14 Detroit country day, 13 Vicksburg, 12 Liggett. Uh, Liggett, obviously, the other state finalist, also with a new head coach. A lot of new head coaches across the state. We should probably dedicate a show. Really, some really good, some really really good teams across the it's board. Crazy. New head coaches. It's crazy. Um, Eleven Huron, ten Gold Lake, nine Coopersville, eight Trenton, seven Swan Valley, six Spring Lake, five North Branch, four Adrian, three Stevensville Lake Shore two Forest Hills Eastern, and one Flint Powers Catholic. Not In short, folks, not a lot we agree on here. <laughs> there's, just, <laughs> there's not many things that we agree on. Now, uh, the CWB uh, poll only goes to 10 uh, for Division 2, 3, and 4 because it is a, it's a game of darts past 10 for, for the divisions that aren't won just because obviously there are less teams, guys. It's not so much a... There's a lot of people who take like us covering D1 more than other divisions personally. There's just more teams, guys. Like I don't know how else to articulate that. So moving more on to more teams and more players, and it's just you know it's just a bigger league. I don't know how else to describe right. it. It's like you know, and we so, there um, is there is some Metro Detroit bias here. I mean, I, I don't think that we can fairly say that we're not a little more Metro Detroit focused. That's where this tr- show comes from. The show is from Metro mm-hmm. Detroit. So you know, Metro yeah. Detroit, Metro Detroit hardly has any Division two teams. Yeah, that's just so. Reality. Yeah, and and we talk about expanding the divisions, right? I don't want to go into this, but we talk about adding a division because of the lopsidedness that happens in D one. There just mm-hmm. needs to be some beef added to D two because D one is, I think, what is it like? It's like eleven hundred kids to like five thousand is like the range, something like it, that. Yeah, it's basically like approximately a thousand to infinite you know infinite so that's um, crazy to me and that's a yeah. discourse for a whole other episode but in plus not only not only are those differences enrollment related but there's a ton of major differences just regarding how you enroll your students you know there it's yeah. one thing to it's one thing to be a big school it's another thing altogether to be permitted to uh enroll students from wherever they want to come from you know that's right. that's a different that's a different thing too but again Another topic for another day. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so looking at our poll versus their poll, both of us high on Trenton. They've got Trenton at eight. We've got them at 10. Super deep team. They return a ton. They have a really strong staff of pitchers. Think they're the best, most complete team in the Downriver League. Think Southgate and Woodhaven are right there as well. I think Woodhaven is obviously Woodhaven, right? We've already discussed what we think Woodhaven is on this show. Offensively, I think that they're legitimate. Uh, they're in... D1, but as far as D2 in the state tournament goes, Trenton, regardless of how I feel they're going to finish in the league, they just have such a strong pitching staff, a bunch of lefties that throw hard, a bunch of righties that throw strikes, and they play the game the way they've always played it under Zalka. We've seen them make runs in the state tournament before because of the way that they're able to play the small ball they play. Um, So Trenton is in there at number 10 for us. They're at eight for the MHSBCA. I would say that that pretty much aligns. Um, where we have some differences, um, we've got Notre Dame prep at eight and Notre Dame prep is, is not on here at all. And Notre Dame prep is a team that I know we feel uh, highly about because they've been young for two years. They have a ton coming up this year and they've got some strong players in their sophomore class as well. That's got a year of varsity experience under their belt. Um, 
good program. They have really good facilities because of uh, the, I think the coaches uh, connection with um, the indoor stuff in Utica, I believe. Like, I think that that's where they do their winter stuff, which is awesome, you know? Um, and so any thoughts or any context you can provide? I mean, obviously being at Jimmy John's field, you, you've got a, like a nose right above what goes on right. at the facility. Not sure if you ever get to watch NDP or anything, but just curious on your perspective. Yeah, no, I mean, a little, little bit of familiarity with NDP. I mean, I, t- I talked, I talked about them on the last episode as you, as you probably recall, but um that's a definite miss on this poll for sure. Um, I know that they weren't too happy about it. Um, if I were them, I would not worry any more about it than I have to, other than just go out on the field and take care of business. And people are going to know sooner, <laughs> sooner than later that you're one of the better teams in division two. And I, I certainly believe that they are one of the better teams in division two and we'll, we'll prove it pretty soon. Um, you know, sometimes there's just a miss. We haven't played any games yet. And, uh, right. And there's some oversights. I wouldn't make too much out of it, but but yeah, they they should be on there. And another one is Bay City John Glenn. I mean, Bay City John Glenn not on the Division Two poll, firmly at number seven for us. I know we we got a nice message from Jason Ball uh, recently about that team. That was after we made this ranking. That was like two weeks ago, and we've had we got him at number seven since December 9th. Um, what did what did we learn so far about John Glenn? Well, I think they, we, we feel like they lost a lot, which is why they're not on here, right? I mean, right. that's why I think that's the coach's perspective, right? And it's our job right. to take like the really deep look. This is a coach's poll, and I understand that. So, for um, sure, I, I think again, it, it almost it almost speaks to what I said about Orchard Lake St. Mary's. I think there's a little bit of a bias against teams when they were at the top, and it's perceived that they're falling falling off. You know, I think. Um, I you think know, we they, see that in Grand Rapids Christian in the MHSBCA poll too, and Liggett, and, there, and Liggett. you know there's a, there's another level of uh, uncertainty that comes into play. I guess when you change coaches, I, I don't know that it's right. anything. I don't know that it's anything personally against any of those coaches either. It's just a uh, a change of system. There's you know it, it, there's an adjustment period and uh, a level of uncertainty. You know, just as an example, when Dan Samini's Liggett was ranked at the beginning of the year they were always number one or two basically you know that was just like death in taxes and maybe there's just another level of uncertainty in people's minds now but um some of it's probably unfair and we'll hear from jay ritchie uh the new head coach from liggett in our interviews from the mhsbca so you'll get a ton of perspective uh from him and you know a total difference as far as i think and we talked to Dan, too, Samini from Northville. So it, it'll be interesting to hear both perspectives. But the change that's coming to Liggett, I'm actually quite excited to see it. It seems like it's going to be a little bit more – and it's different not in a good or bad way. It's just plainly different. That's all it's going to be, which is perfectly fine. But it seems like Jay is just a little bit more analytical. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see uh, the discourse there. I just think it's going to be um, one of those things where no matter what, no matter who took over for Dan Samini at Liggett, whoever follows him up, we said good luck because it's going to be a hard act to follow. Um, but I am curious to see how Jay Ritchie, knowing what I know and you know, hearing what we heard from him, uh, I think he had a ton of good things to say, and I'm looking forward to what what he does with those guys. Uh, apart from that. I know they picked up, just to speak on them again really quick, I know they, they picked up a couple of good quality assistant coaches there too, which oh, yeah. it's always – it's always vitally huge, important huge, at ever. I mean, J- Justin Robinson's considered to be a, a really solid pitching coach. Uh, John Diesel Dombrowski, he, I mean, he's a professional manager in the USPBL, right. and, and he's going to be assisting them. He's a really strong, fundamental guy. Um, but I mean, you know, as a head coach, yeah, if you have a quality assistant coach, I mean, that oh, it's you, in in high school, that's huge. Everything. It's everything. It's a it's a make or breaker. It's it's a, it's as important as having a strong pitching staff, in my opinion. And sometimes you have one because of it, right? Yep. Um, Spring Lake, we're exactly the same on at six, um, but we do have some huge differences in the top five. Uh, they have Adrian and North Branch in here. Adrian at four, North Branch at five. I'm not gonna lie, guys. North Branch, coach, if you're listening, hit me up. Love to learn about your team because I because I quite honestly don't know a whole lot. Dan, do you know anything about North Branch? Not even an insult yep. to North Branch by any means or any stretch of the imagination. I'm just being totally honest and not trying yeah, to Yeah, my, my experience with North Branch stopped at uh, Derek, uh, Derek Schaller, who was the class of 2000 and my catcher at Central. That was the, that's the 24, 24 years ago. That's the last time I really learned much about uh, North Branch. So I'd love to hear more about them too. Obviously, they're very well thought of by uh, some, of the, some of their colleagues here. 
Yeah, and Adrian at four, they were a 30-win team last year. I think they went 30-2. and two. Not sure how far they made it in the tournament, but I know that they were a 30-win team. Not sure what they bring back. Uh, coach, same instructions. Would love to would love to talk to you about about your team, but do know plenty about Adrian's success last year in that they won thirty games. Obviously, Adrian was a team I highlighted as one of the teams I think that will outperform not being in the Super Twenty Five and potentially make their way in it sometime during the year, especially if they're winning as many games as they did. Um, elsewhere in this poll, um, we don't have Liggett in our top ten as we mentioned. They've got him at twelve. Um, Let's see what else, what else, what else. That's about it. That's about it. Other than that, we pretty much agree. Oh, Grand Rapids Christian, of course. We've got Grand Rapids Christian at two. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of good players coming back. Jackson Isaacs is a fantastic player. He's got a really good class surrounding him. Uh, I think they're going to be a good team again this year. They're just a little bit lower on them at 16. So actually quite a bit lower. Um, we'll move to D3. The top 20 in D3 is Vassar at 20. Grass Lake at 19, Bridgman at 18, Blissfield at 17, North Muskegon at 16, Gladstone at 15, Montrose at 14, Watervliet at 13, Pawamo Westphalia at 12, Chessening at 11, Lansing Catholic at 10, Midland Bullet Creek at 9, St. Francis at 8, Traverse City St. Francis that is, Ecorse at 7, Onstead at 6, Charlevoix at 5, Brandywine at 4, Clinton at three, Detroit Edison at two, and Algonac at one. Uh, I'll give you guys our top ten because um, there's a little less to go through here. We have Clinton at ten. They've got Clinton at uh, three, uh, so pretty aligned there. Obviously, just a little bit lower. At nine, we've got North Muskegon. They've got them at sixteen. Um, at eight, we've got Gladstone, and they've got Gladstone at fifteen. At seven, we have Cass City. They are not on their list. At six, we have Ecorse. They have Ecorse at seven, so we're aligned there. Lansing Catholic at five for us. They're at 10 for the coaches, pretty aligned there. Standish Sterling is at four for us. We don't have them on the MHSBCA poll. We have Bridgman at three. Bridgman's at 18 for the coaches. Bridgman notably uh, won the damn thing, right? If I'm not mistaken, last year. Uh, I believe they beat... Did they beat Algonac? Yeah, right. Yeah, they. Yeah, thought yeah, so. They, and then at Detroit, were, Edison, I, I was about ahead. to say that I was about to say that Algonac beat them, but I, I think that's wrong. Yeah, I, I know that. Yeah, they're I think in the yeah, I think. Uh, and then we're aligned on two and one. They've got Detroit Edison at two and Algonac at one, and then we have the same exact order. Um, yeah, not a whole lot to like dive into here, just because. The teams, you know, again, like Division One, you can go 30 deep at contenders. Division Three, a little bit different, right? You get down to the lower divisions. It's just, you know, less to pick from. The the cream kind of rises to the top, and that's just how it works in D3 and D4, I think. It's my perspective, if, if I'm wrong, my, and I'd love to be educated. The one, the one I'd like to watch closely is uh, it's a consensus top choice from both polls, but I'd, I'd like to keep a close eye on Detroit Edison just because they've lost so much talent over the last couple of years. I'm interested to see how well they replace that. I don't know a ton about some of their younger guys coming up. I know they still have Marwin Matthews, who's a senior now, I think. Uh, he's yeah. a really good, really good player. But like um, he's been in high school for 10 years because I it, think he started right away. Plus he, was, plus he was on national TV with the Little League World Series a little while back. Right. So it feels like we've known him forever. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I would like to see if they're deep enough to maintain that really high ranking throughout the season. We'll, we'll, we'll see. And then outside of that, I mean, Algonac returns Josh Kastner on top of many others from that class. They have a ton coming back. They're they're the strong favorite, maybe the strongest favorite of any division. I would say. I think that would be. I would agree with that. I think that's probably yeah. I mean D two D two is the, you you could throw throw darts at right, D2 which seems and, like that's the case every year. Right, and I think D one there's. I think maybe you could say it's top heavy, top heavy with like five to eight teams, but D one, I saying that there's ever a really strong favorite in D one. That may have only happened once, you know, with St. Mary's the one time that right. it's, it's really hard to be a seriously strong favorite in D one. There's just too many good teams. Okay. So moving on to division four, our last division that will break down. This was the MHS BCA's top 20. We have Portland, St. Patrick's Rogers city, Merrill, uh, Waterford's Our Lady of the Lake, 
16 West Michigan Christian, 15 Hillman, 14 Norway. Shout out to Norway. 13 uh, Decatur, 12 Painesdale Jeffers. That's a hell of a name. 11 Gaylord St. Mary, 10 East Jordan, 9 Cardinal Moody, new head coach. 8 Ubley, hell of a name. 7 Sacred Heart, Mount Pleasant. 6 Plymouth Christian, new head coach. 5 Muskegon Catholic Central, 4 Inland Lakes, 3 Rudyard, 2 Fowler, 1 Beale City. All right, Rudyard, shout out Billy Mitchell, uh, friend of the show. We are a little bit off here in our D, D4 rankings. We've got East Jordan at 10. They've got East Jordan at 10, so we're completely aligned there. Uh, I did not preview that well. <laughs> um, we're going to be different in a second, I promise. At 9, we have uh, Indian River Inland Lakes. They've got them at 4. At 8, we've got Jeffers, and they've got them at 12. At 7, we have Royal Oak Shrine. Shrine is not in their top 20. Trine has been strong for a few years. We just, when it comes to Division Four, it's it, I'm not going to lie to you guys, a total dart race after like five, and we try to go with perennial good programs. Um, and Shrine's been good for a few years, so it makes sense if they're going to be they're going to be good again. We hope, uh, based on our uh, accuracy, maybe being the determiner of our credibility. At six, we have Ottawa Lake Whiteford and. I don't believe they're in their top 20. Nope, they are not. Uh, at four, we have Kalamazoo Hackett. Again, perennially good teams. Won a state championship a couple years back. They usually always make it deep. They're not in their top 20. I fully expect them to be a top 20 team, in my opinion. Uh, number three, we have Rudyard. They have them at three. Number two, we have Plymouth Christian. They have Plymouth Christian at six, so pretty aligned there. And then at one, we both have Beale City, the defending champions. I believe they won, right? Yeah, they won. Yeah, they did. Um, Beale City, always good. They were our D4 number one last year and this year. Um, actually, I think our D4 won last year was Mooney. Um, we don't have Mooney in here. Mooney, as we know, just kind of lost like a ton, including their head coach. Um, yeah, they had, but, a three year, they had a three-year run there with a really nice core plus uh, – you know, Mike Rice, uh, as as the head coach, his his time there has has come to an end. You know, concentrating more on the facility side, travel baseball, uh, his pro work with the USPBL. Uh, so definite, like we said before, some adjustment period there. I'm sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, yeah. So elsewhere in D four, uh, there's just not much to harp on. I think that in D four, it's hard to predict. Gabriel Richard has a new head coach coming in. We've got him at five, Riverview GR, uh, a team that's been to that final, team that's won that state title a couple of times in the last few years. Uh, the new head coach, I believe, is uh, Frankie Sakuro. So looking forward to seeing uh, what he's able to accomplish there. Obviously, a uh, previous head coach was there for a while and had a lot of success. Um, but Tyler Morehouse is, a, I think he's committed to Toledo, I believe is where he's going. D1 arm in that rotation. D1 arms play real well at that level. Um, Beale City is expected to be just as just as good, returning quite a bit. Uh, Rudyard, Billy Mitchell has had a ton of time to build that program. Looks like they're hitting their stride. And I believe they made it to the Final Four last year, right? Uh, Rudyard lost in the semifinal last year. They lost yeah, uh, yeah they lost to uh, Plymouth Christian, who then, who then lost to Beale City. Right. So, um, so much of the same is expected on our side with Beale City and Plymouth Christian and Rudyard in our top three of our four. And then we have Hackett, like we said, perennial team. Um, but I, I personally think East Jordan might be a team to look out for there. I've heard a lot of good things about them. So uh, Hackett, that not, it up. Hackett yeah. not being in there, Hackett not being in there is a little bit strange just because they've been at the top so many years right. in a row, it seems like. And then to not be in the top 25 at all, I maybe they're right. I can't say the, the yeah, folks, exactly. the, the folks who put this together. Yeah. They, they may know more about that situation than we do. It's just unusual not seeing them there. Well, that wraps up the rankings comparison between the MHSBCA coaches poll and our poll and our way too early divisional rankings. I want to emphasize way too early divisional rankings because these are, way too early rankings that we're not looking to stand on forever just looking to project we'll act accordingly when the season comes and with that in mind the season is right around the corner and that means it's time to talk to a few different coaches about what to expect from their teams so throughout the next couple of weeks as we mentioned earlier in the show you'll be hearing from a multitude of coaches and various different interviews uh, and you'll be hearing them and next where i introduce your next head coach that you'll hear from. We'll go into those interviews. Between that, I'll introduce another one, and then we will close out the show. Uh, so today you'll get two speakers, 
you get two speakers next week. You get two the week after that. You get two the week after that. And then we have the player draft. And then it's tryouts. And then content starts to flow, baby. And then we get to finally analyze some ball. Uh, once March hits, two things are a guarantee. Shamrock shakes and cold weather bats. Dan, any final thoughts? No, not really. I just thought it was uh, great being at the convention, you know, with you and with all the other coaches. I think it's a, a really useful event that they have up there in Mount Pleasant. I think it's the perfect place for it. You know, for one thing, it, uh, it's just a great venue, Soaring Eagle, and, uh, you know, it's entertaining. It's in the center of the state. It's a beautiful hotel. Um, there's a lot There's a lot available there for anyone who's interested. You know, you can watch the speakers and take notes and, and learn uh, fundamentals of the game. Or if it's just more about networking for you and you want to, you know, pull a stool up to the, the, in the sports bar and just hang out and, and get to know your, your coaching brethren. It's, there's a lot to be had there at the convention. And, and if you're a high school coach and, and you don't already have that as part of your January routine, I think you should really consider it. I would absolutely co-sign all of that. This was my fourth or fifth, one of the two. And it was uh, a blast as always. So want to make sure everyone checks out our Patreon, patreon.com backslash coldweatherbats. For 10 bucks a month, you get uh, just a, an insane amount of written content and all sorts of information uh, on our thoughts at a much deeper, more granular level across the state of Michigan when it comes to high school baseball. Uh, we just released 10 hours ago. We're speaking to you Monday. So 10 hours ago, we just released players 41 to 50 of our CWB top 100 player list. We are trucking along. You can go back and look at our whole list dating back to all the way to 100. So we go by increments of, of 10 players and we've gone all the way from 191 now down to 50 to 41. We'll have the next ones coming for you soon as we work our way all the way down to number one, who will be the best player in the state of Michigan in 2024. We make our best prediction over the next few weeks. Appreciate you guys tuning in today. Uh, We're going to close out this segment of the show, and that means Dan and I are going to log off. So it feels like a goodbye to us, but for you guys, you're only getting started as you're about to hear a couple interviews from two uh, head coaches who we spoke with at the Michigan High School Baseball Coaching Association uh, annual convention clinic, whatever you want to call it. We'll we'll have that discourse in in these interviews as well where we decide what it is that we want to call it. So appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll see you on the other side. All right. Dan Griesbaum here for Cold Weather Bats. I am really excited about our next guest. I am sitting here with the new head baseball coach at Central Michigan University, which, if you know me, my alma mater, and a place that's very special to me, uh, Jake Sable is here with us. We are in Mount Pleasant, Michigan right now at the Michigan Coaches Convention, which, if you haven't been here, is a lot of fun if you're a coach and uh, a great opportunity for networking. Jake, thanks so much for sitting in with me. I really appreciate it. How excited are you to be back at your alma mater, Central Michigan? Yeah, first, Dan, appreciate you having me. Um, obviously, this is a great event. You know, I've, I've been coming to it ever since I got into college coaching, and I think every year hopefully we allow it to, to grow a little bit with the coaches who are in our area to, to allow Michigan baseball to continue to grow. Um, but to answer your question, super pumped. Uh, I know we've been talking a little bit off, off air about it, and uh, it's kind of – it was surreal at first, but now that we're into the to meat and bones of it, um, being able to be on campus every day, be back in the Mount Pleasant community, um, just kind of reliving some of the things that you and I went through as players um, has been pretty cool and a, and a very unique experience. And a lot of that's starting to wear off now, now that we're about a month out from opening up the season and getting after it a little bit. Right. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, when you get back into practice and, and working with your guys and, you know, and all that kind of stuff, the, the excitement is starting to build up a little bit about, you know, going to battle with them and putting a good product on the field for for our players, our alumni, our supporters, all those kind of people. I bet. I mean, just driving back up into town here, I can't help but feel nostalgic about it myself. Um, You know, I was a a MAC champion like you. Mine was 2004. Yours was uh, 2010. Yep, 2010. And, uh, you know, just having a bit of success. But even more than that, just if you live up here for four or five years, you know, me it was five years because I redshirted once. But, um, you know, it's it's a pretty good chunk of your life, you know. And then all of a sudden you move away and maybe you never come back but it's a lot of great memories and you've had the great opportunity of now coming back for for work and uh i 
I assume that this is a place that you'd like to stay for a while. Yeah, no question. Uh, I don't feel bad. I was a five-year guy too. <laughs> uh, and But I, you know, redshirting was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. Didn't think so in the t- at the time, but uh, for my career, um, was certainly a, a good thing. Um, but yeah, I, you know, my family, my wife and I, we, we met here in Mount Pleasant. Um, you know, we're in Midland still, but looking to move back this way. And yeah, a lot of great memories, a lot of good people in this area. Uh, I've found that even talking to some of our more recent alums and whatnot, um, those people who come to play in this program or just go to school in Mount Pleasant, right. they love it. Uh, it's something about the community in the town and, and uh, driving on mission and going Saturday football games at Kelly Shorts. I mean, it just it allows you to have a great, unique experience here while, while, go, while going to school and getting the, the degree you really care about. Right. Um, you know, and I just want to make sure our guys in our program are have, able to have really good experiences from that end, too, while they're here. Now, I don't know if you noticed this as a player. I certainly did. But Central Michigan baseball always felt like a place where there was people coming back to contribute. You know, there was long time uh, there's a long time tradition of where the coaches were players at Central Michigan. And you're you're kind of continuing that tradition now. It seems like a a special thing here at, at CMU that doesn't exist at a lot of other schools. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, I think even just within our department right now, there's, there's a handful of sports that are ran by alumni. It uh, doesn't happen everywhere, like you said. And, um, but just, you know, coming back here, being a part, if you have a good experience somewhere and you want that for your guys, I mean, that's a big reason why I, I wanted to come back here. I mean, we would always, when, when we were here, we would always, you know, see coach Kylitz around town, you know, and he's still, he's still around town. Someone who coached, you know, through the seventies and early eighties and, um, you know, we saw Skip Creener, he'd be hanging around, uh, maybe you'd see him at the donut shop or whatever, but he was in town, sure. you know, Steve Jack's a, a former player yeah. and, and, and now you continuing that tradition. And I think it's, it's special. And I think it gives you a leg up and in, in reaching back out to the alumni as it comes to engagement and, you know, let's, let's face it, fundraising as well. Yeah, it, it's the same thing. It's the same way. I mean, Coach Kylitz, and during the fall, uh, you know, we'll be out there at the field practicing, and all of a sudden you look up and three rows, and he's sitting there with a cup of coffee and his feet up and sure. kind of analyzing what we're doing, and you know, you pop into the office every now and then, and it, it just kind of think that speaks to our alumni base too. Um, the amount of people who have come back through campus unannounced really or have yeah given me a phone call or shot me a text hey i'm in town can i stop by that's kind of what this program has been has been built on um the, the people who've come through here and whether whether you're an everyday guy or or a draft pick or a guy that comes in here and doesn't play all that much like there's something about being in the program that guys have gotten invested about and, and want to continue to be great alums you know when they when they're when they're done playing so sure. very unique very cool um you know it's it's just it's been really uh outstanding to see the support we've had so far since since kind of taking over in June and you know hopefully it continues moving forward that's terrific now I can only imagine this day and age with college sports that there's got to be somewhere along the line where there's a real level of complexity if you're a a sport at a non-power five school you know compared to competing with those power five schools and some of the financial advantages that they have now and uh, how some of that, you know, football money or network money trickles down to some of the other programs is—is is that something that you see being a real challenge for the the non-power five conferences going forward, keeping up financially like that? I think it's coming. Uh, you know, I think we, we try to tell our staff and our guys now, you know, can't worry about a lot of that stuff. You know, we just have to be where our feet are, figure out a way to be really good in this moment. And, and uh, you know, that's kind of what our job is. Uh, you got the NLI stuff, you got the transfer portal. It's a little different now than right. when you and I played. Um, and so I just want to make sure our guys, when they come here, like we make it a heck of an experience and they love every little thing that we're doing here so that stuff doesn't even creep into their mind if it's a recruit and they're they're concerned about their nil and all this kind of stuff well central michigan might not be the place for you but if you care about being around you know 39 other other dudes that that have similar goals that are going to work their tails off and and want to win a championship and and have a lot of other those those other goals in mind well this might be a great place so uh trying to, to work that out and figure out how we can still continue to thrive here in mount pleasant um you know that stuff might come into play in the future but for now i'm just you know worried about you know, being really good in this moment. In this day and age of, of college baseball, we've we've had some rule changes as far as when guys commit to a uh, university. You know, it wasn't wasn't long ago that we were seeing some guys in eighth grade verbally commit to where they're going to college, and some guys who haven't even played a high school game yet committing where they're going to college. Uh, how do you feel about the rules as they are right now, and do you think it'll be better for the game? 
I think it's going to be better for the game. I, I, yeah, you're not going to have your freshman sophomores committing, you know, early, and then all of a sudden they get the the rug pulled from underneath them as they get older. Um, I think it allows. I think the big reason is allows a lot of the coaches to maybe be at home a little bit more, you know, with their family. They're, we're, we're we're gone a lot and during the spring, and then recruiting happens really fast during the summertime. And so for those reasons, I I really value that, but also. You know, I think if you get some of those kids signed or committed early on, uh, you might not know how that plays out. Uh, I think for us, it's important to make sure we know what we're getting and what kind of product we're getting when they step foot here on campus. And I think a little bit later in their in your career, you have a pretty you have a better idea of what that's going to look like. So yeah, there might be a kid who's super talented as a freshman or a sophomore, and he's a can't miss type of prospect. And yeah. you know, that's still a long ways away from getting here on campus three or four years from now. So for us, we need to make sure they're as sure of a thing as possible. So tend to line up more with our recruiting vision, allowing those rules to be built in there. Um, you know, heavy on you know the seniors, but also now moving into the juniors. Um, I think that is just hopefully allowing us to build a roster with guys who are going to stay here and not just you know it doesn't work out for them or they're, they're looking to move on after a year or two hopefully allows us to have some stability in our program for for players who are here for four or five years i don't know about you but you know speaking for myself i i didn't sign my letter of intent with central until right before my senior year baseball season i mean do you think that kind of thing will be a lot more common going forward um Yes and no. Uh, I think everyone's in a hurry to sign players, uh, especially the bigger schools. You know, they just want to they want to get things done, and because they have a little bit more wiggle room to maybe pull out from something that they're not really super excited about as it gets a little bit older. Um, but similar for me, you know, I I I wouldn't even say I signed. I mean, I, I committed to, to be a walk on. You know, at, at the Gross Point Showcase. Believe it or not, that was like the only showcase I went to as a player. And you know, Coach Volano was sitting there and kind of said we were about a month from school and kind of gave me a chance to, to be on the roster, and I'm super grateful for Coach Volano and Coach Jackson to, to be able to give you that chance. But, yeah, it might happen a little bit more. Um, but I think the transfer portal is going to hurt some of those kids um, just because a lot of programs are going to wait. You know, they might have their needs for high school, and it might only be three or four kids a year where it used to be 10 or 12. And those same f- kids who came in as freshmen, they, they, they grew together when they were here, right? So I think this day and age, man, people are going to wait a little bit longer. They might try to fill some needs late with some transfer, you know, some portal kids or, or whatever it might be, some four-year guys because you know you might be looking for experience in a certain position and and that's what gives you that versus a freshman so I don't know I think uh, but also on on the flip side I think high school kids are going to try to commit a little sooner too because they don't want to miss out on those opportunities so we'll see how it plays out this was the first year really of the rule changes from the recruiting standpoint Um, it's been good so far at least for us and you know we'll see how how it is moving forward so you mentioned something that's at least really personally interesting to me you mentioned the gross point showcase which at that time was I don't want to say one of a kind, but certainly uh, somewhat rare. Yeah. You know, my my dad Dan Greasebaum Sr. and and Dave Bergman, former Tiger, along with uh, you know a couple other Gross Point coaches, they started that showcase uh, in the late '90s, and now it's like similar showcases, similar tournaments. They're almost you know a dime a dozen. So you and I, we kind of knew where to go for that type of thing. There was maybe one here and one there. What type of advice can you give high school players about where should they be going? It seems like there's so much noise now. Where should they go to show their skills? Personal opinion, I think, you know, you, you got to find places that you can see yourself wanting to go to school, wanting to play in those programs. I'm not saying this because I'm a coach, but like you getting to those camps at those schools probably is number one priority. If you want to, if you want to play a Central Michigan man, you got to figure out when they're holding camps and how to get on campus in front of that coaching staff. I'm not, uh, you know, degrading the the PBR showcases and the perfect game and this and that. I mean, you can you can probably go to a showcase every week in the summertime if you really wanted to. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It might open you up to a few other places and maybe it gives you an earlier idea of where you can actually play at the next level. But if you want to play it, you know, your Grand Valleys or Northwood. Saginaw Valley if those things is if that's where you want to play and go to school I'd highly recommend seeking out you know those coaching staffs at their camps and getting in front of those coaches so they can evaluate whether or not they feel like it could be a really good fit in that program so personal opinion I mean yeah the gross point showcase was one of the only few that was happening when when I was playing so I kind of snuck in there very late as almost a walk on a walk-in addition right. and uh, it, it turned out to be one of the, the best things I could have done yeah someone who was eventually drafted to play professional baseball that was almost almost missed you know by the coaches but at that point 
Yeah, well, I should have been. I wasn't very good. Uh, I, I was not very good. I, I got lucky. I, I, I've said, I've told that story plenty of times, but I, I just, you know, someone gave me a chance to, to develop at that time. I, the roster limits at college baseball was a little different, and I had a chance to develop. And, and uh, yeah, I put my head down. I worked. I listened to what my coaches told me to do. I think so many, you know, this day and age, kids are searching YouTube, and they're, they're going to all these different people outside of campus to figure out what my swing needs to be or, you know, how to throw the baseball harder. I, I get all that, and it's certainly – there's a lot of positives from, from those types of people. But I think in order to get on the field, you probably need to do what your coaches want you to do, you know, and dive into their plan for you and and that was kind of all I knew at the time and and it worked out so I wish I was a little bit better I wish I lasted a little bit longer in professional baseball but the experiences are are things I wouldn't trade for anything I can imagine now a lot of our audience is uh high school baseball players high school coaches um can you give a little bit background a little bit of background on your high school baseball experience where you came from yeah, so I, I uh, went to Warren De La Salle, um, played there, actually did not make the team as a junior. Um, I didn't know that. Did not make the team as a junior. Uh, and, you know, at that time, our high school had, you know, kind of a summer team paired with it, right? I don't even remember what our – what it was – the. St- the storm, I think, was what our. So, anyways, I kind of asked the coaches, "Can I, can I still play on that team?" A lot of, a lot of players at that time were playing in their the bigger organizations, right? So, I snuck on. I had a pretty good summer. Um, you know, I was, I was a late bloomer. I, I, you know, grew a little bit later in my career. I was fortunate to, to make the team as a senior. Um, you know, pitched, pitched majority was a pitcher, played a little infield, did that kind of stuff. And, and to be honest with you, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, right. I probably was like the last man on the roster my freshman year here at CMU. Like, I just. You know, those guys saw something in me that right. I didn't necessarily see at, at that time. And um, but yeah, I, I played it in. Uh, grew up in the Metro Detroit area. Played it at Warren De La Salle, and then was fortunate to, to be on campus here in 2006. Well, you had a lot of uh, a lot of great competition at Warren De La Salle. I mean, that Detroit Catholic League, obviously, that's about as good as it gets. And uh, you know, now you see some really premier programs coming out of there I mean the last few years uh, Orchard Lake St. Mary's Brother Rice University Liggett I mean there's some really uh, Detroit Catholic Central some really high-end teams there that beat up on each other and a lot lot of great prospects coming out of that area and I'm, I'm sure it's uh, that part of the state is is probably one that you look to as it comes to recruiting. We spend uh, a lot of area or a lot of time figuring out that area, you know, um, talking with coaches like yourself, you know, who who see a lot of those players. And our staff knows that there's a couple of different hotbeds in the state of Michigan that we try to spend. If we're going to be in Michigan, let's spend a lot of time in the Metro Detroit area, the Grand Rapids area, and then up here in Mid Michigan. I think those are kind of the three areas where we know there's really good players. Sure. Um, yeah, go find them and figure out what fits what you're looking for in your program. But uh, we want to build our roster with Michigan kids. You know, believe it or not, I think everything is so blown on the national stage right now. But for us, I think there's something to be said about having a kid in Michigan who understands, and just using Central Michigan as an example, kind of the history of our program and wanting to play in state where they grew up and, and you know, the, knowing that when they get here, like what it, what it looks like to be a Chippewa. And, you know, so we're going to spend a lot of time in Michigan. I, I do know that there are good players outside of Michigan, too. And, and I really don't care where you're from. If you can play, you can play. But I want those guys to know if they're coming here to CMU what they're getting themselves into it's not just division one baseball it's it's a hundred plus years of history and championships and professional baseball players and and you know so when you get here work we want to make sure our guys are well versed in what that looks like and not just a chance to play division one baseball so it's uh, a big deal to me and a lot of guys who played here before and and we just think it's important recruiting wise to make sure those guys know that sure I want to touch a little bit on um, the transfer portal just because it's a relatively new thing in in college sports and for someone who's you know quote unquote old like me I mean you know early 40s but it feels old almost when it when it comes to college sports um someone like me you know who who redshirted as a freshman and you know didn't start for a couple of years after that does that type of player does that does that type of player really see it to the end of their career at a division one school anymore or is that guy usually leaving now uh I would say I mean if you had to pull the country most of those guys are probably leaving for something greener and better right and and uh i think the days are i wouldn't say they're gone but it's rarer now where a kid decides to stay and work their tail off and put their head down and eventually get, get the opportunity that they're excited about um just because now you have the option to jump in there and find something else uh, right. like it wasn't too long ago like when we played where you couldn't do that without sitting out a year yep. and so that made it a little bit more difficult for a kid to go in there and try try to find a better fit. i do like the transfer portal for for 
I do think when guys go to certain programs, yeah, it might not be the perfect fit. You know, you don't realize that till you get there. Whether it's playing time involved or academically or whatever it is, it might not be the place for you. And I think going in the portal allows you to maybe find that place for the next three or four years. So that that part of it, I really enjoy. Um, because back in the day when there wasn't the portal, you had to market. If you were going to transfer, you had to do all the work yourself. You had to send the emails. You had to do this. You had to do that. Um, so it makes it a lot easier. The, the problem I had was the, the transfer limit or the, yeah, the one-time transfer rule which now they're talking about making it unlimited. Right. Um, but, you know, to be able to go in there, I mean, we might get a kid who comes here, he's all American, and all of a sudden he jumps in there and he's trying to find the next best thing. I mean, that's that's the tough part. Um, it seems to me like there's an over – isn't there an oversupply too? I mean, isn't that isn't that also to some degree working against the players, that there's there's so much supply in there that it's really not very easy for them to find greener pastures? Yeah, you're right. But I, I think there's other things that play into it. Like, are they going to are they going to get NIL money from a bigger program? Right. right? Um, are they going to get somewhere where, you know, a school decides, hey, we're going to we're going to cover your tuition or we're going to give you, you know, X amount of dollars more than what you were getting somewhere else? Like, I'm not saying they use this leverage because most programs, if you go in the portal, that kind of writes your name out of the school that you're currently at. Yeah. Uh, if a kid decides he's going to go in the portal, I'm assuming he's leaving, right? Unless the rare circumstance where he's an all and you would love to have him back. Yeah, certainly. But you know, I think that's not for everybody, but uh, yeah, I, 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 that, that does change the landscape a little bit. And believe it or not, there's a lot of guys in that port. Even right now, there's a lot of players in the transfer portal um, and more so the grad transfers who are trying to find something before their, their senior year finishes up. But as soon as they're allowed to jump in there, man, it is, it is crazy and, and trying to sort through all that, but it, it doesn't guarantee you're going to find that, you know, something, a little bit better so you know my advice my advice is you know if you if you love it somewhere yeah things might not be perfect in the moment but if you love the school if you love the guys and the coaches that you're around man like just just seeing the future and putting your head down and working and get a little bit better that's what it's about man you gotta get better than the next guy things aren't just gonna be handed to you so um i think that builds character and should hopefully prepare you for when you're done playing baseball and whatever whatever field it is you line yourself up in but um i know that's not the message that's being spread spread out from everybody i mean i can only speak for myself but you know looking back had i left central michigan after a couple of years of not getting a lot of playing time i I sure would have lost an important part of my life you know i after that becoming a little bit more of a starter having a little bit bigger role and then you know ultimately being the captain of a mac championship team you know after those tough times you know working toward that that was certainly shaped uh, my life going forward, I think. And, and if I would have missed that, that would have been uh, a big loss. No question. Yeah, me, me too. I mean, I'm probably not not coaching at the college level. Um, probably don't get a chance to play pro baseball and be on the same field as your Miguel Cabreras and, and all those guys. I mean, it's about the experience at the end of the day. And, yeah, everyone wants to play in the big leagues and play in front of 20,000, 30,000 people every single night. And I think there's something to be said about being somewhere where, you know, you enjoy what you're doing. You're around really good people and you feel like you're getting better and, um, you know, so – but. You know, that's we had we have different experiences than maybe somebody else who, play, who played in a similar program. So it's not for everyone. I, I completely get that. Um, but, you know, things are a little bit different that, you know, these days. And that's fine. No doubt. Well, uh, I know you've got a lot to do here at the convention and otherwise. And uh, I don't want to tie you up for too long. But just before you go, if there's a message that you could get out there first to high school baseball players and then second to high school baseball coaches, is there a bit of advice that you could give those two groups of people with regard to obviously on the player side, finding a way to that dream of maybe getting to a division one college. And then on the coach side, what can the coaches do to help their players in that same regard? Um, yeah, I would say with the coaches first, um, continue to promote your players. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us have a background and who, you know, who can play where maybe, maybe it's not perfect. It doesn't line up perfectly with the coaching staffs who are at those schools currently, but continuing to promote your players, allowing coaches to, to make those calls on, on, you know, on their own. Um, but we can never find every player in the state of Michigan or figure evaluate them if we don't have help from people that we trust. So um, reaching out to us, getting, you know, putting us in front of players that they think can play at this level um, or at any level, you know, allowing those guys to have some opportunities to be seen. I think to be honest, and this kind of might, might go with, 
with the high school player right now. If you want to play at the college level, you can. I don't, you know, you can. There's a lot of programs. There's a lot of programs in the state of Michigan and myself. I mean, I've coached Division three, Division two. Um, if you put a little work in, you do the right things, you show up to those camps, you do the prospect stuff, you send out emails, you put, you know, you work a little bit, you're going to find somewhere that's going to be a really good fit. It might not line up with your thoughts right now as playing at the Division one level or professional baseball, but there is really good baseball in a lot of different areas. I mean, there are some there are some kids at, at Division three Alma where I coached right now that yep. could be playing for us. There's sure. at Northwood where I coach that could be playing Division one. That, that's you know that I think is changing a little bit now where those kids are more concerned about finding a really good fit versus playing at the highest level. Um, and I you know encourage those guys to yeah you can have dreams of playing Division one baseball and I encourage you to work to to strive to achieve that stuff. But you know don't write off some of those other places that would give you a really good experience too. Great. No, that's great advice. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Coach, for uh, sitting down with us today. Really appreciate it. Excited for the upcoming season. I know I'm going to come up and uh, see you at least once at a minimum uh, over at Tennyson Stadium, and we'll be excited to see those guys out there. And Really appreciate you sitting down with us today, and I hope we can do it again sometime. Well, thanks for having me. love talking to former Chippewas and just talking about our program, but also just baseball in the state of Michigan. And we got a lot of great people down the hallway here who are trying to learn and get better. So if I can ever help out anybody in any way, you know, I would love to be able to do that. We appreciate that. And thanks for coming over and fire up chips. All righty, fire up chips.